Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, you're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. And this week, we're reviewing... Finally, no time to die, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Tim Ifland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies, don't we, Lee? We do, and we finally... Finally, after two years, get to talk about No Time to Die. Pinch me, slap me, do whatever. How are we here? So excited. (laughs) Let's get into it. So James Bond has left active service, but his peace is short-lived when Felix, an old friend from the CIA, turns up asking for help and leads Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology that could threaten the world and test Bond like never before. And isn't he tested just? No Time to Die is directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga with a story and screenplay by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade and Fukunaga with help on the screenplay from Phoebe Waller-Bridge who was brought in to polish the dialogue and provide input on some scenes. No Time to Die stars Daniel Craig, of course, in his fifth and final outing as James Bond, along with Leia Seydoux, Rami Malek, Lashana Lynch, Ray Fiennes, Ben Whishaw, Naomi Harris, Jeffrey Wright, Anna Diarmas, and, of course, Christoph Waltz. Now, before we get into the story and its themes, uh, let's just share a piece of information here Mm -hmm. about this film, about the success already in Australia. This film took in a huge... $2.2 $2.2 million on opening day in Australia. That's almost double the launch amount of Godzilla vs. Kong, which is one of this year's biggest movies to date. That's huge. People have been waiting for this film for so long, so they obviously went out in droves to see it, which is so heartening to And they, they haven't been put off by the fact that they've waited so long yeah. because they're going out in droves that love to see it. So, Tim, where do we begin with this film? What a thrill ride oh. No Time to Die is... A fitting finale for Daniel Craig's iteration 
of the James Bond character, wouldn't you say? Oh, I, I could not agree more. My goodness. I just loved this film. Am I showing my cards too early on in the review? <laughs> yeah. Potentially. But I just loved it. It's not an understatement to say that this is the most anticipated Bond film ever made, you know, due to the many delays, the exit of Daniel Craig, who said before this one that he didn't want to do another one, mm. and the wrap-up of a new approach to the franchise that people were sceptical of at the beginning, weren't they? This film has carried the weight of so many expectations and on top of that, the weight of the world's box office reopening expectations. I mean, pressure. Talk about pressure. Super pressure. Whenever COVID kind of came and went, came and went, no time Mm. to die, came and went, came and went with it. And, you know, Tenant was a big test in the box office pool of Mm. getting people back into the cinema and it succeeded somewhat. Um, And No Time to Die was given that pressure every time. And here it is. It's kicking goals. And, you know, there was quite a lot of development hell with this film. Like It's it's been six years since Spectre, which came out in 2015. Of course, the last two years are part of that six wait time. So it's kind of a little bit unfair to say we've Mm. waited six years because things have been out of its control. But at the very beginning, Danny Boyle was actually meant to Mm. direct this film. And he's a filmmaker that I love. And he left the project over creative differences when Carrie entered the picture. And he's actually the first American to have directed a Bond film. Carrie is. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. 25 films in. Yeah, speaking of that, 25 films in 59 years, that makes the Bond franchise the second longest running franchise ever behind Godzilla. I was going to say, what is the longest Mm. franchise, if not Bond? Godzilla, there you go. Godzilla, there you go. So, as we said, Bond is happy at the beginning of this film. He's enjoying Mm. life for a change. But, of course, he's picked up another woman with secrets. There's a bit of history repeating itself after (laughs) Vespa in this film, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And that pulls on some themes that we've seen carry over the entire five film Mm. arc of the Daniel Craig Bond series. Secrets, betrayal and trust have especially been those thematic red threads of this franchise and they come to a head in this film, I think. Time is also a huge factor in Mm. this film. Obviously, it's called No Time to Die. (laughs) And there's a couple of lines that reoccur throughout the film along the lines of, we have all the time in the world. And you know when a character says that, you go, oh, do you? (laughs) Do you? Might want to check. Might want to (laughs) check. This movie felt like a wrap-up movie to me. It did Mm. feel like a wrap-up. And, you know, take that or leave that as you will if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But for me, many characters floated in briefly for the fan service, which I was disappointed in. You know, Money Penny for example, had not much to do in this. M even had not much to do in this. Even Blofeld, who is the overarching huge villain. Yes. Not much to do. Because we were introduced to Blofeld in Spectre in a big, Mm. big way. Having said that, how he does show up in this film is just cinematic perfection. Yes, I'll give you that. I got Hannibal Lecter vibes, (laughs) Silence of the Lamb vibes (laughs) there. In more reasons than one. But Hello, Bond. Hello, Clarice. I mean, Bond. (laughs) Wrong script, Christoph Waltz. Uh, Just to build on your point, Lee, Craig's series has unfolded as a unified story arc. We've never got that within the other 20 Bond films no, prior. No, and that's what makes it interesting. Yeah, and at times, not so successful. Calling out Quantum of Solace, I think, mm. is a very common you know, blimp in his 
franchise uh, mm-hmm. contributions. But overall, it's been a really compelling story arc for Bond. And No Time to Die really had a huge task on its hand in wrapping up this arc and tying up many loose ends. Mm. And I think it delivered on that, but I'm getting a sense that you thought they were a little haphazard with some things wrapping up? Um, I wouldn't say haphazard. And as I said, it, it's not a bad thing that mm. they're wrapping up this series. You want a nice conclusion, don't you? You want to draw a line good. under it and go, okay. I like closure. As you said, we've journeyed with Craig's Bond through five films of ups and downs and mm. betrayals. You know, these films wanted to dive into Bond's backstory and show how he got to where he is as a 007 and why he is the way he is. And I think it's been incredibly effective on that journey and what makes him a great spy, what makes him a damaged human. Mm. Um, Giving more depth to the Bond women, I think they've succeeded in that and walking that line. I've really enjoyed that. But I felt in this film, especially the Bond women, were quite sidelined, maybe with the exception of Leia Seydoux's Madeline. Yeah, her character has a very pivotal role to play in the mm. trajectory of the plot. So I do agree there are some fabulous women written into this into this film and we might delve a bit deeper when we talk about characters and performances, but I do agree because they were so good, mm. I wanted more and I was really disappointed when their moment on screen moved on naturally as the story moved mm. on. I kind of want little spin-offs of, of some of those characters actually that yeah. would excite me a lot. But no, I think it tied up the loose ends really nicely. Mm. I felt emotional in mm-hmm. a Bond film for the first time, mm-hmm. I think. I was really unexpected that I felt that way. I felt connected in a way I hadn't before, but all while being entertained. Isn't that what you want from cinema? 100%. Did you feel connected emotionally? Absolutely. I had tears in my eyes, especially with um, Madeline and Leia Sadu and the relationship with Bond and, mm. and Madeline. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not a huge Bond fan. I do enjoy the films. Mm-hmm. But I've really enjoyed Daniel Craig's outing as Bond. Have you seen all 25 Bond movies? No. Out of curiosity? <laughs> no. How far back have you gone? I couldn't tell you. It's, it's very haphazard. I would have seen bits and pieces here and there. Sure. I've seen a few Sean Connerys. I've seen a few Timothy Daltons. Yep. I've seen all of Pierce Brosnan's because that yep. was my kind of generation. Likewise. All of Daniel Craig's, obviously. Yeah. I, My husband and I... Over many false starts, like the false start of the release of this film, we were like, in the lead up to No Time to Die, let's watch the entire Bond franchise. Gee, it is a journey. There's, Mm -hmm. it's quite uncomfortable in the early films because Bond is of the time in the sixties and the seventies. It's so camp all of a sudden, and then it becomes this gritty, really grounded in reality Mm. series that. Um, that Daniel Craig brings to the party. And I really enjoyed that they took it in that direction and gave yep. it a unique spin. It's, a, yep. it's been fantastic. Do you know what else I did in the uh, after watching No Time to Die? Because I was in such a Bond frenzy just yep. mentally. I And I'd never done this before. I put on Spotify and I played every single Bond theme <laughs> for every film. And there are some absolute bangers in there. Oh, yeah. I forgot Tina Turner oh, did Goldeneye. Yeah. Oh, love it. What did you think of this Bond theme by Billie Eilish and her brother? Okay, so I wouldn't call myself a huge fan of Billie Eilish. I guess maybe I'm a little old. She's very popular within the millennials. <laughs> young folks in there, music. Folks, can you tell me, help me understand the young uns. <laughs> uh, but... As its own song, it's really haunting and interesting. But what I feel like really packs a punch with the Bond themes is when you see them in the context of the story after the big opening and with the iconic Mm. opening credit scene. So 
I'm getting actually chills thinking about it. I think it was really effective. How about you? I didn't enjoy this Bond opening credit. I found it really yeah. slow and I don't think the music went with it so well. I Okay. Yeah, no. Interesting. We're on completely different sides of the yeah. fence. Yeah, and that's what you go to a Bond film mm. partly for too. You want to see those opening credits and yeah. that, oh, that moment when he turns towards the screen and poof. But he didn't – sorry, this isn't a spoiler, but he didn't actually no. shoot the gun and the blood didn't come down. No. Why? I don't know. I don't know. No answers, but still, puzzles me. <laughs> Speaking of Daniel Craig and the differences between other Bonds, mm. one thing I want to call out – this is a bit random maybe. Go on. But the dude is going to have some serious hearing problems because he's always getting blasted in these films and losing his hearing. And I think – that's part of the grittiness of this bond, but they're making it feel more realistic, you know, that he doesn't get shot at and keep going. He gets slammed into a wall and he's like, oh, yep, yeah, ow. Like, I love, sorry, can we just go back <laughs> to one of the first things you said on that point, which is that you called Bond a dude? Was, <laughs> yes. Dude, this Bond film's sick. He really gets thrown around. Yeah. Daniel Craig is known for doing that. But how great is that to see on screen? That it's sounds brilliant. really bad. I I'm know. sorry, Daniel. Because he actually got injured quite a lot during this film and he through did. the other Bond films too. He did. He broke his leg on Spectre and there's yeah. considerable amount of time that he filmed the rest of that movie in principal photography mm. with the leg brace on that they had to remove digitally. And people don't realise that when he said he didn't want to come back and do another mm. Bond film, he was wrecked after that film and yeah. so much went on behind the scenes. There was a writer's strike. They had to piece together the story. There was so many problems. He got injured. Like there was so much going on that was being thrown at the last film. Mm. No wonder he didn't want to come back. And he's spoken very vocally about the fact that he was just like, I couldn't think of anything worse to do Bond again. Like mm-hmm. he, it was very raw and emotional because he li- he literally just finished filming yeah. Spectre. And the last thing that he wanted to be asked was, are you going to do another one? Because he was a <laughs> broken man. Yeah. And so that garnered a lot of bad press for him and he had yeah. a lot of work to do. But by God, thank God, he came back. Yeah. This was a really nice end to his saga as Bond. I agree. Let's talk about his performance. Yes. So, as a character, we've mentioned already that Bond has some major trust issues. He's been betrayed constantly. You know, that's the spy game. That's what it's all about. And that is a driving factor of this story. And I think Daniel Craig performed that so beautifully. Mm. We've been challenged as an audience to see all these complexities to Bond that we hadn't ever seen before. So since 2006 with Casino Royale, we've been on this, what, 15-year journey Mm. with this iteration of Bond. And that's what's been the pull for me in these films. What will Bond be up against next? Not just from a Save the World perspective, but from a personal Mm. one. And I can't wait to see that unfold. I'm really excited about what comes next. What comes next, yeah. I mean, where do you begin with that? Maybe we'll keep talking about this film before we <laughs> yeah. put in our uh, suggestions and thoughts. We mentioned Leia Seydoux's performance and it's utterly heartbreaking in this. She really, really brings a powerful performance, don't you think? Such an emotional performance. She pulled me right into the emotion of this and as you said – I had had tears in my eyes and I've never had that with a Bond film before. Yeah, I mean, Bond girls tend to not have many layers and complexities to them. Mm. I think with Vespa from Casino Royale, we absolutely got a flavour of that. Unfortunately, she was only in that film. Mm. She's been referenced constantly because Bond is, you know... Carrying that. Carrying that weight, Mm. even into the beginning of No Time to Die. But 
Madeline Swan's character, she this film is as much about her as it is Bond. Yeah. And I really like that balance to the character development and then the gravity of the story at play. Mm, absolutely. Mm. I'm going to put in a little criticism now. We've absolutely been raving <laughs> about this film. But Safin, mm-hmm. Rami Malek, yep. the villain, mm-hmm. is just such a lacklustre villain. And that's no shade to Rami Malek. I enjoy him as an actor. His performance mm. was really great. I was underwhelmed. And I think that's a recurring theme with recent Bond films. The villain doesn't quite live up to the menace and malice that maybe their appearance would suggest. You know, a Bond villain always looks like a villain. He's always got like a glass eye or a scarred face or or in this one he's got tiny pretentious glasses on his face. (laughs) What's that about? It's a Bond trope that the villain's plan is always going to be outlandish. Okay, it's mm. not going to make total sense except to them. Yes. But it's always clear what they want. And I understood Safin's reasons for revenge in this film, but mm. I did not understand what his wider motivations were. Yeah, and maybe that was partly due to the fact that, I don't think this is a spoiler, but the character of Safin was not really introduced until quite far into the movie. They had mm. a lot of exposition, they had to set up a lot of stuff, and then he came in. And I just don't think, to build on what you were saying, he was – he was utilised to the full impact that a Bond villain could have. Yeah. Was he complex? Yes. Was he frightening and unsettling? Absolutely. At mm. times, I was really uncomfortable yeah. watching his performance in some scenes. I didn't find him that menacing. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Can I just say one thing mm. as a criticism less about the character but about Rami Malek? Mm-hmm. I had this issue with his performance in The Little Things with Denzel Washington and Jared Leto, Mm. where I can barely understand what he's saying half the time. Right. Did you have an issue with that? Yes. Yeah, now that you've said that. Yeah, and I don't know whether it's the characters that he plays and how he chooses to perform them, or it's actually Rami Malek, who's a bit of a mumbler. (laughs) Malek the mumbler. Malek the mumbler. Oh, dear. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. I quite enjoyed Rami Malek's performance, as I said. Mm. I just didn't think the character itself was very effective. Yeah, and if there was one criticism to take away from this film, I think it was a slightly undercooked villain that you didn't really grapple with the gravity of what he was all about. I mean, in this film, the focus is centrally on Bond, Mm -hmm. as it should be. But all this wonderful progress that they've made over five films to flesh out the typical Bond women around him, I think went to waste in this film, except Mm. for Madeline. I mean, where was more of Lashana Lynch? She's a huge character and there was so much made of the fact that she is 007. Yes. They kept referring to it in the film. It was a huge plot point. And she was so fantastic in this film. She was strong, funny, quick-witted, a talented assassin, if if you can say that. I couldn't get enough of her. Her character signified how much the world had changed since Bond had retired over the five mm. years because there's a five-year gap here. I didn't realise that either I thought until f- a certain point in the film and I went, oh, yeah, ha- what, huh? Oh, okay, hang on. Yeah, time has passed. <laughs> yeah, time has passed. Significant time has passed. And that's a bit of an issue that I had with this film because I got the wrong moment in the story where five years had passed. It's actually not initially. It's a little later in the film. Mm. So I was like, oh, I thought five years had passed right from the beginning. Right, yeah. But it hadn't. It was after that massive, open, beautiful sequence in Italy and then five years had passed. So I was a little confused. Yeah, so this film opens pretty much right after the events of 
Spectre. Spectre when Madeline and Bond take off in the classic Aston Martin DB5. Yeah. And they've just been going, they've just been driving around Europe. Yeah. Love that for them. Anna de Armas. Can we talk about her yeah. for a moment? And she's so fantastic too. My God. I so, so, so wanted more of her yeah. in this film. She was stylish. Mm. She was funny. Her physical impact, mm. all of those things. I was so impressed. The chemistry that her and Daniel Craig had on screen. Yes. I really, really lapped that up. Oh, but the thing about Bond films, with the exception of Madeline, probably, mm. and Money Penny, there are very few Bond women that recur. Yeah, that's true. And now that this is the end of Daniel Craig's iteration, I don't think we'll see those characters again. Mm. And I guess whatever the producers decide where they take this franchise, mm. hopefully the women are a little bit more prominent and might continue on mm. as recurring characters because it mm. works and I think – it would it would be an interesting layer to the series moving forward. Who do you want to be the next Bond? Got to ask that question. I knew you were going to ask this. Do you know what? Tom Hiddleston. Yes. Mm. Yes. Are you on the same page or do you have another name or two? I was going to say Henry Cavill. Uh, see, I think he's too big. Yeah. <laughs> too big. He's a bit large. Is there such a thing? <laughs> I mean, Craig <laughs> was the beefiest Bond ever. True. So Henry Cavill would just be like the Hulk version of yeah. Daniel Craig. So maybe we're ready for a beefier, beefier Bond. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> Tom Hiddleston can beef up for sure. I mean, what was that um, spy film that Henry Cavill did? Oh. The Man from Uncle? Yeah. He was good in that. Mm. It was a fun film. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's got the chops. He was quite suave. And everyone's talking about Idris Elba as well, which oh, I would, God, yes. oh, I'd love to see that. I would friggin' love that. Yeah, But if, but if uh, Tom Hiddleston to me is very suave, charismatic, mm. I keep going but back. But he's good to, with action too. Yes. Well, I mean, he's been in countless Marvel films. Well, but not series. even that. He's done sort of spy genre films before, espionage okay. type films, and he's really fantastic. Okay, I don't think I've seen him in any of those. Or think of him in um, Kong, Skull oh, Island. Yes, Kong, Skull Island. I forgot he was in that. He was ex-military or something, but he, he, he was can great. Ho- he can hold a rifle. Mm. Yeah, he looks good, dirt, <laughs> dirty up. Okay, I think we've decided it's Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Barbara Broccoli. This has turned into the Tom Hiddleston uh, appreciation podcast. Back to Craig, back to Craig. <laughs> Lee, can we jump straight in and blow up this conversation mm-hmm. and talk action, set pieces, gadgets? Where do you want to start? You can't talk about a Bond film without talking about all of those things. The Bond franchise has always been big on action, but this marks a return to big set pieces mm. and gadgets that Bond is famous for. There hasn't been as many gadgets in the previous films, I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong. And so many different cars in this one. So many different cars. They're all sexy. Like I mentioned the iconic DB5 yeah. that he and Madeline drive away in. That's where it begins. Mm. It's just oh, beautiful. First thing I'm going to say is this is one of the slickest, mm-hmm. best action films I've ever, ever seen. And it's certainly one of the most accomplished visually mm-hmm. Bond films in the series. Yeah. Yeah. And you were talking about gadgets. Mm. So one of my favourite things about this franchise in general is where Q and Bond connect for him to introduce and provide him with more gadgets for his missions. Mm. And they always take place in really unexpected locations. And Q is the master adapter that whenever or whatever the mission requires, he and his team can just show up and provide Bond with the right stuff. And yeah. that's a really fun element of this film uh, and, and the franchise in general. We've mentioned this already, but you really feel Daniel Craig getting knocked around in the stunts. <laughs> yeah. They're gritty, they're rough. I mean, move over Tom Cruise. 
Oh, yeah, God. And that's a huge statement to make because he puts his yeah. body on the line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's fitting that they filmed part of this at Ian Fleming's GoldenEye estate in Jamaica. And that's where they yeah. made the big announcement for this film, wasn't it? Yeah, that was really cool. We go to some amazing places. Yeah. We go to Norway. We yeah. go to Italy. Jamaica, as you mentioned. Of course, we go back to London mm-hmm. and Cuba, which was one of my favourite yeah. uh, elements of this film as well. Stunning. Yeah. The score makes these movies as much as the action, doesn't it? That sharp or soft orchestral music adds another layer and firmly plants you in this world. And it's interesting, right? I don't know if you knew this, but Hans Zimmer, Mm. one of the most iconic composers of our times, was only brought in a few months before its initial attended release to take over from Dan Romer, who left due to creative differences. Really? And this seems like the kind of film that should have always had Hans Zimmer at the helm of it. Yeah. I mean, you can define any blockbuster he's worked on by the Hans Zimmer score. You've got Gladiator, Inception, Wonder Woman, The Lion King even. Mm. I mean, I wonder if it would have changed the feel of the film just because music is such a huge part of the Bond franchise. Yeah, I I reckon it would have. I mean, this film could have gone in so many different creative directions. You can't imagine No Time to Die without Hans Zimmer's stance yeah. and stamp as as a composer. But then I'm thinking, what the hell would have this film looked like with Danny Boyle at the helm mm. and how he would have worked with his a composer? Like, what if is a question that deeply fascinates me yeah. and I can get lost in that question. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a good point you make. Because it does feel like such a fitting end, as mm. we've said over and over again. It, mm. it's, it's Yeah, I can't imagine it. Can I just go back to action for a moment? Mm. I found the intensity of some of the action scenes were incredible. Mm. Uh, they unexpectedly held on moments, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I felt it added great depth to them, such as when Swan – and Bond are trying to escape in the Aston Martin mm. in Italy. The car had bulletproof glass, right? Mm-hmm. And they held on the bad guys trying over and over and over to penetrate the glass. But in that moment, right, there is a discourse between the characters that adds another layer to it. It's mm. really, really intense for more reasons than them trying to get in the car. Yeah. And I just really loved that choice. Yeah, amazing. I couldn't agree with you more. It just mm. had me on the edge of my seat throughout the whole film. And this movie goes for two hours and 43 minutes or something. Yeah. It did not feel like that. You could have fooled me that we were mm. sitting there for almost three hours. The pacing was perfect. No pee breaks needed. No pee breaks needed. <laughs> <laughs> I was holding on though. <laughs> I did go immediately after. Shall we wrap up our review of No Time to Die, Tim? Yeah, let's give it a go. We've had a great time. And as I've said, I've never been an uber fan of the Bond franchise, but I've really enjoyed Daniel Craig's version of the character. The filmmakers have upped the ante and done things with this film that they've never done before. And I was into it. It pushes new ground that will shock and excite. And I just can't wait to see where the franchise goes from here, Tim. The almost three hours runtime flies by in a whirlwind of action, style and gorgeous locations that will have you hooked for the entire film, despite the sideline characters and the uninspiring villain, which we can we can shove under the rug because this is such an important film. I agree. I'm going to give no time to die. Or popcorn kernels. Oh, Lee, I'm so glad I saw this movie with you. Uh, So, No Time to Die is Craig's best outing as Bond and will stand as one of the best ever 
Bond films in the series. I have no time for the haters of this film. I simply do not. (laughs) I was surprised. I was moved. Of course I was entertained, shocked, terrified and deeply satisfied. Technically, it is one of the most flawless action films I've ever seen, stunning in every frame. This is Daniel Craig's swan song and has left a significant mark on me and I'm sure fans alike. I'm going to rate No Time to Die, Popcorn Kernels, four and a half Popcorn Kernels. So close to five. Yeah. So No Time to Die, Daniel Craig's fifth and final outing as James Bond is in Australian cinemas now. Make sure you get out and see it on that big screen. The biggest screen you can find. All right, Tim, we're going to jump into news because there's some exciting things to talk about this week. The Star Wars project from Patty Jenkins, Rogue Squadron, one we've been looking forward to for a long time, has actually been delayed and taken off the production schedule just for now. It was due to begin production next year, but scheduling conflicts and previous commitments for Jenkins have made it difficult to find a window for filming. Oh, it's so upsetting. She's so in demand. So in demand, Patty Jenkins. Mm -hmm. Currently, the director is in development with a third Wonder Woman film and a Cleopatra project for Paramount, both starring... Gal Gadot. But don't despair, Star Wars fans. There are still plenty of other projects for the franchise in the works, including one from Marvel boss Kevin Feige and one from Taika Waititi. So there's still lots to look forward to. A Taika Waititi Star Wars film? I know. Yes, please. (laughs) All right, Lee. Aussie director Patrick Hughes is setting up for his next feature, War Machine at Lionsgate. It's an action sci-fi film about the final recruits of a grueling special ops boot camp who encounter a deadly force from beyond this world. Yeah, and Hughes is the man behind the Hitman's Bodyguard franchise, and Mm. we actually interviewed the director earlier this year. You can check out the interview where all good podcasts are found and watch the fun chat on our YouTube channel. He was an absolute blast to talk to. It's one of my favourite interviews that you've done. He's hilarious. (laughs) You were having too much fun for my watching. Yeah. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio Swoon is in final discussions to play religious cult leader, not so swoony, uh, Jim Jones in an upcoming film that he will also produce. Yep, Jones was behind the November 1978 mass suicide at his Jonestown settlement that took more than 900 lives when his followers drank cyanide punch at his insistence. Oh my God, I don't even know what to say. This is going to be a pretty full-on film, but excited to see what DiCaprio brings to the party. Now, Tim, November 12 marked the first ever Disney Plus Day, Mm. a celebration of the streamer's first anniversary that brought us first looks at Moon Knight, starring Oscar Isaac, She-Hulk, starring Tatiana Maslany, and Ms. Marvel with Iman Balani, and... Disney announced new titles that are coming to Disney Plus over the next couple of years. That's right, Lee. They revealed new series and title logos, including Agatha, House of Harkness, bring that on. <laughs> yes. I Am Groot, Echo, and Marvel's Zombies, which reimagines the MCU as a new generation of heroes battling a zombie invasion. MCU zombie invasion. We saw a taste of that in What If, the animated series. I haven't watched that. Is it good? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, okay. There's already a season two on the way, so people love it. Well, I was just saying how What If fascinates me, so yeah. I should lean into that show. There was also behind-the-scenes footage, you'll love this, Tim, from Ewan McGregor's 
Obi-Wan Star Wars series that hints at a rematch between the Jedi Master and Darth Vader. I need to watch this behind the scenes Ooh, stuff. Yeah. Oh my God, can't wait. Disney's live action Pinocchio was also announced as coming to the streaming service in mid 2022. So does this mean it's not coming to cinemas? Seems then? like it, yeah. Mm, that's a shame. Brought to us by director Robert Zemeckis, who recently directed The Witches. It's been in the works for a while with Tom Hanks attached as Geppetto, but now more of the cast have been revealed. Who's in the film? Yes, so Benjamin Evan Ainsworth will play Pinocchio with Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Jiminy Cricket. I actually love that. That's a cool piece of I casting. I love that, yeah. And Cynthia Erivo as the Blue Fairy. She is just having a moment and I love it yes. so much. Yes. And we also have Luke Evans as the Evil Coachman. In Marvel news, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is undergoing significant reshoots. It's interesting. It's been revealed the cast and crew will be filming both additional photography and significant reshoots six days a week for the remainder of the year. That's like a whole nother film. That's massive. Yeah. Now, I feel like this film was impacted greatly by the COVID-19 pandemic. So, would you call it reshoots or pickups of things that they may not have been able to get in the can? Well, it's both, apparently. Right. So, they're having to massage. But apparently, this is quite common with Marvel films, that they have to massage the storyline a bit to be able to fit in. I mean, this is a huge universe now when you think about the TV series, the Mm. films. The world is massive and it all has to fit together really cohesively. So, of course, they're going to have to sort of touch things up along the way, especially considering a lot of movies and shows have been pushed because of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, hopefully this means only good things for the final Mm -hmm. product. And stay glued to our social media and YouTube folks because there is a new trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home expected on November 16 that promises big surprises. Now, we'll get it to you as soon as it drops, but Lee... Mm. Obviously, the rumours are that Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield (laughs) are going to show up. Yeah. Do you think they would ever reveal that in the trailer? That's one question. Second thing, do you want them to? No and no. No and no. And I'm not sure they're going to show up. At all? It'll be the worst kept secret in history. Although, to be fair, Sony's Spider-Man secrets, like they're full of leaks. They're not as tight as Marvel. (laughs) They're not. I mean, the trailers and footage... Stuff has already started leaking. People have been recording things. I don't know what it is, but we always get a glimpse, a grainy glimpse of, of the trailer something. before it gets officially released and then they're mm. forced to release these things. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Sometimes you wonder whether that's a PR stunt. I'm very sceptical with that know. sort of thing. But when the product needs to be seen in all its glory, you'd want it to be seen in all its glory rather yeah. than drip-fed in these grainy you know, mm. disasters. So, I mean – you and I were talking this week about the memes going around about the poster, people <laughs> dissecting the poster and going, I, there's the Green Goblin, there's William Defoe's Green Goblin, there's... Um, there blobs in the fucking sky. <laughs> there's James Franco's Green Goblin. <laughs> My favourite one that you sent me yeah. was, obviously Spider-Man is a trademarked name. Yeah. So in the bottom right-hand corner, it has TM, someone's circling and going, Toby Maguire? <laughs> it's like, no, it's trademark. <laughs> So funny. Oh, dear. Oh, so good. Anyway, on that note, yep. that's it for another episode of Popcorn Podcast. We reviewed No Time to Die, Daniel Craig's swan song of the Bond franchise. It's in cinemas now, guys. Go check it out. Yeah, make sure you check it out. It's well worth seeing. All right, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. We are now on YouTube, guys, where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single one.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.